If I die, I die. A direct quote from Kirk Cousins this week. Sounding like Ivan Drago out there. <laughs> Shout out to Drago, our boy. Yes. I think in a boxing match, I would take anyone against Cousins. Yes. Like, literally, I, like, <laughs> who would you not take against Cousins? So, human. Simon Cowell. Human hey. cup of ranch dressing. Kirk Cousins is not afraid to die. Joel, what's his name? Austin. <laughs> Joel. It, you know, some, sometimes uh, meme material just presents itself and the memes write themselves. When human cup of ranch dressing, Kirk Cousins said that he wasn't afraid to die. I think the entire sports world, especially the sports comedy world, just come their pants. Yeah, Ryan Clark the same day is like, uh, I play with Kirk Cousins. He's a good football player. <laughs> if I'm picking the 11 toughest guys to go with me, Kirk Cousins is not on that list. When when did Ryan, you said that before, when did Ryan Clark play with Kirk Cousins though? Redskins. Okay. Yeah, after yeah. the Steelers. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah um, it's a bit strange, you know, his comments. Um, he's since clarified. And yeah, if, if, if you look at the context of the comments, it makes a little bit more sense, but there's also some negatives uh, to it. There's a lot of negatives to it. Do you think satire pages take context into consideration? No, <laughs> as they should not. No, we're in it for the joke, man. Come on. Wait, listen, I'm sorry. If you're an athlete or a celebrity, whatever, you always have to be careful about quips that can be quoted and used as headlines, right? If I die, I die is dead fucking last. In terms of quotes that you want to be spitting out there. So you you almost do. You almost need to jive a little bit with your PR rep, whoever. You know what I'm saying? You got to get it together and be like, hey, I'm going on this, you know, this interview and I'm going to say, uh, you know, I'm not afraid of coronavirus. I was thinking about saying, you know, uh, natural selection. I kind of believe in it that. And then I was also going to say, you know, if I die, uh, yeah, I die. Well, I don't think you picture Kirk Cousins saying that. I picture like James Harrison saying that right. some badass defensive end or Lawrence Taylor or something. Do you but think Kirk he's Cousins. ever seen you're, Rocky Ford? If you're a professional athlete, the only time you can say I, if I die, I die is if you're actually in like an Ivan Drago costume for Halloween. That's the only time. <laughs> play it again. Play it again. It's one of the. It's one of the weirdest. It's one of the weirdest quotes from an extremely bizarre movie. I mean, to begin with, I loved it. It's it's <laughs> is it Rocky Four, yeah, right? Rocky, Rocky, Rocky Four. Four. Oh my god! Uh, one of my favorite, most hungover movies. Yes. Right? Like you're just laying on the couch. It's like on Spike TV, and you're just like, oh fuck, yeah, I'm in. I'm in for three hours. Could you see a remake with Kirk Cousins as Drago? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> a couple cycles later, dude, I'd love to see if Kirk, dude, if Kirk Cousins, if you have any sense of humor, and Kirk Cousins is a big list listener to this podcast uh kirk if you have any sense of humor whatsoever if you could please do a remake of the rocky scenes just splicing you as drago like hitting that punching thing where it says like the the pounds that he's hitting or whatever i would fucking the whole world would no, die I, I want him on the treadmill all like on the yes. thing and he's just like yeah. just fucking exactly. pumping yeah yep. fucking right get out of here you fucking don't God, what a piece of fucking ranch dressing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But don't you think this could be something Kirk Cousins, like, he's always in the press for, oh, can't win the primetime games. It's never any good press, I feel like, on Kirk Cousins. It's always underperforming, overpaid, all these different things. And he actually won some primetime games last year. And now the Vikings are building a team, which they're talking about going to the Super Bowl. 
maybe Kirk Cousins is just trying to set a precedent for the year. Like, hey, I'm here to win. I'm here to play football. Let's fucking roll. Yeah, yeah. Kirk, like you said, uh, Kirk Cousins actually won not just won some prime, won his first Monday Night Football game ever. Wasn't last he zero and seventeen? I'm not dude, looking up. His I, record was ridiculous. It, it, it was so bad. Seven. Yeah, it was bad. I bet you like that. So, <laughs> dude, when you when you're a guy He's like a good that, good for a sound clip. Yeah. No, when you're a guy like that, you just have to be wary. You are going to be a target, so you have to worry about what quotes are thrown out there. If I die, I die. From the weird Mormon quarterback in Minnesota is. Just and he's not Mormon, by the way. His, his dad's just, a preacher. Just, yeah, he just he gives off the the air of like I I don't know. I'm not and I'm not insulting his religion or anything like that. But he he is he's one of those white bread guys that you're just kind of like you know if you were drinking with a bunch of your buddies and Kirk Cousins walked into the room, how much would that affect the vibe immediately? Yeah, hey, you like hide your beers from him. Yeah, when you say no, hey uh, Kirk, you want to take like, a shot? What does pop, he say? You pop out the old duels. That's yeah, what you do exactly. when Kirk Cousins walks in. <laughs> Get no, the old he, duels out. He's not even like in a duels pretender type of guy, though. He's, he's like a skinny girl wine. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've really liked this uh, skinny girl brand. Uh, it's zero calories on margaritas, and uh, I like it. Yeah. Kirk Cousins, man. He just I. I'm a Vikings fan. Uh, for those that don't know. Uh, having this guy come on board, it's been such a roller coaster because he had a great season last year. He really did. Beat the Cowboys in prime time. Who didn't last year? Um, lost horribly uh, to some other teams in prime time, including Seattle, where he just looked really bad. But uh, yeah, man, he's going to be a punching bag until he gets it done. He, he's one of these guys that until he wins a Super Bowl, he's never going to get the benefit of the doubt because of the beginning of his career. Would you agree with that? For sure, and especially because of the money. Everybody looks at that. When you're a top-tier quarterback on the top-tier pay, you're going to be produ- or expected to produce, and, and he hasn't. Like you said, his first Monday night football win ever. And how much money has he made? Drew, I mean, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but a lot of fucking money. Over $100 million, I think, is, is between the franchise tags. Uh, so this is a guy, he was, he was a third-round pick. By the way, picked the same draft as RG3, mm-hmm. um, who has just made a ridiculous amount of money. And you can't fault the guy for, for his hustle. You know what I'm saying? But if you're a fan, you're like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> and he has, he's restructured his contract or whatever, but just got this air about him. You know what I'm saying? Like if, if a dad walks in a room and you were just doing some drugs with your buddies, uh, it's, it's like he, he's always going to make you feel uncomfortable. And in this case, I just don't think he thought about his words carefully enough. Is there any guy that you would be like more so oh yeah he definitely went to michigan state with like it isn't it not so obvious that he went to michigan state aren't they so michigan state's like a pretty Iowa. big yeah, party no, school no but i meant like their quarterbacks tend to be this just kind of very oh, bland. Like yeah. yeah yeah very bland agreements yeah connor cook yeah. We, we know a guy that went to michigan state he's one of the biggest partiers i've ever met well used to be yeah <laughs> i like it yeah yeah but, or a roommate yeah, for, former roommate. <laughs> well, for better or worse for Kirk Cousins, when your name's in the news, it could be good, could be bad. I think it's really turning into more of a meme thing, and it's actually getting kind of lighthearted with everybody else and just making fun of it like the Drago and everything else. I, I think it comes to pass, and, and it'll be interesting to see how the season goes again. It's going to be a lot of pressure on Kirk Cousins with the staff that they've built around and with Mike Zimmer and that defense. I mean, he's going to be expected. If they're going to fail anywhere, it's going to be on the offensive end, and he better be ready to answer the call. So, yeah, r- real quick, we've all been in locker rooms before. What do we think about if a quarterback makes that kind of statement? Do we do we rally behind that, or are we making jokes? 
For oh. me, I'm making jokes. Yeah, like, yeah. he's getting I'm joked on. Hard tearing court. him down. In the locker room, come on, not in the press. I, but I've never played behind. with a quarterback tough enough to say that. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. There's no quarterback out there. Like, even if Patrick Mahomes is like, you know what? If I die, I die. You're like, well, fuck you, Kermit. <laughs> right. <laughs> the straight facts right there. Literally, they, like, you know, kind of this rugged quarterback. It's kind of dead. I could see Tebow doing it. Oh, dude. No, no. Yeah, bro, come on. Tebow, fuck that. The speech? Come on, bro. Get you know, I don't care if you're FSU guys. If you watch the speech, everybody's getting chills. Are, 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 are you kidding me? I thought that speech was like, uh, it was like if premature ejaculation was a speech. He had that hesitance. You're talking about, you will never see a team work harder. You're talking about that he speech, kept, right? He kept looking to see if like people yeah. were, how they were responding. I to fucking it. hated that speech. No, I don't like that speech at all. Oh, man. I, I, and he I, produced I, at the end of it, Yeah, too? I'm with Kurt. I and love that answered speech. answered the call. It's legendary. He produced, but at the time, it seemed like a like the pastor's son had just lost in the church dodgeball game and was coming like, from a I mean, seminal. I mean, coming from a seminal. That's his family, though. That's who he was. He wasn't a good public speaker. Any one of his, any time you look back at it in his interviews, he wasn't a very articulate speaker at that time. You've seen him progress over time with that. So I don't, I don't like disagree with you saying he might have been mumbling and, and stumbling and all that different stuff. But the adrenaline's flowing. He's pissed, emotional. I mean, dude, that guy brought together straight murderers and felons all on the same team to win a national championship like come on man it, it's fucking it, legendary either way you know his his offense is clowning him first game of the season mm-hmm. like, oh, you ready to die yo 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 bro you ready to die i just you know there's always those guys and if you're a black guy in the locker room like imagine trying to relate to kirk cousins you know what i'm saying that, 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 that's all i'm saying I've, I, I've seen his interactions with his players his best friend is adam thielen and he clearly did not get along with Diggs. I think he's got this weird kind of like suburb mentality that he can't quite break through. And I just don't think this helped him at all. Oh, I, I live in a cul-de-sac in the Midwest. Yeah, he looks like every neighbor I fucking Does, have. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, hey, yeah, that's Kirk. He, dude, Kirk makes a fucking killer microbrew in his uh, garage. He, he waves at you while he's watering his lawn that you're by. What would you say, Derek? I said he, he just waves at you while he's watering his yeah, lawn and you exactly. drive by. <laughs> Likes a, likes a nice spritzer, a little Zippendale yeah. in the afternoon. But I almost feel like he, if, if he wasn't a quarterback, he'd be the strangely attractive single guy that you always want to set up your, with your friends, but you always suspect is gay on your block. You know, Kirk's so nice. Why can't he find a nice woman? I don't understand. <laughs> Waiting don't for understand. the right one, okay? I don't understand. Kirk, we, we're going to find a nice woman for Kirk, I swear. Yeah, it's, it's the Bible studies on Wednesdays that really ruin it. Oh, dude, we did a solid 10 minutes on Kirk. I'm so fucking proud of that. <laughs> I have not been that proud of, of a segment that we've done on the Sports Memory in quite a while. <laughs> Let's get a segue, Newman. Okay, so one of the teams that I thought the Kirk Cousins was going to wind up going to was uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars because they looked really, really good with Blake Bortles at the helm. And you just figured, hey, a little upgrade there, Kirk, bringing Kirk Cousins. His dad is a pastor in Jacksonville. Makes perfect sense, but he went to Minnesota instead. Anyway, going back down to Jacksonville, they've basically completely fallen apart since then. This week, they traded Yannick Ngakwe to go play with Kirk Cousins tanking, in Minnesota. Tanking. And then Leonard Fournette got cut just a couple days ago and is now signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he gets cut on the last year of his rookie deal, right? This yeah. is the last yeah. year of rookie deal. 
The team has all the cards in their hands. I don't understand cutting him right now. You don't think you could have got some type of trade if you held on for a little longer? What's the problem there? Supposedly, they tried to trade him, and they couldn't get a hit. Right, not right because now. Because everyone knew sure. he was Not right up. now. Yeah. What team is yeah. going to say, yes, we want to trade for him? No, they're going to wait. Obviously, there's some issues in the locker room and in the front office, and not only the public issues that have been going on in Jacksonville between Mr. Khan and his son, who thinks he knows how to run a football team because his daddy bought it, is out here running his mouth and getting in Twitter wars with Ngaku and all these guys, dude. They're vacating. Jalen Ramsey, gone. Ngakwe, Gone. Fournette. Gone. Who Calais are, Campbell. Calais Campbell. Gone. Uh, um, AJ Bouye. Uh, AJ Bouye to the Broncos. Telvin Smith. Telvin Smith. They had five. Dude, all, they have five. Jalen Ramsey last year. You can't they, tell me they're not going for the Trevor Lawrence or the uh, Fields. Like, but you can't stakes. take you this can't, hard. Like, dude, even with Trevor, dude. not not the best quarterback prospect in the world could save that roster. Dude, so Minshew is. Good. Oh, oh, we're all behind Minshew. Come on, man. This is like. This I love is a Minshew. Dude, I, me too. But it's could a they go zero sixteen? Uh, they could. They, they can. I don't think they will. No, um, Minshew's going to win you games like no Ryan chance. Fitzpatrick. Yes, he can, dude. He can sling the, the so rock. Here's the He's thing. a smart dude. The, Minshew will be in the league for a long time, but to set him up like this is rough. Their man. defense is really bad. I think that their offense has some potential firepower, especially in fantasy. I like them because of that garbage time, right? Yeah. Garbage time, Minshew, and and those wide smart. They have some good wide receivers. DJ Char. They're running back. They're running D. game. Their running game is questionable because their offensive line is bad. But for you know, they'll pull out a game probably here or somewhere. I don't expect them to go zero and sixteen. No, not they're not the next the next bucks. But, but here's 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 a question for you. So Doug Marone, the head coach, is there. He's been there what four something years or something. What at what point does Doug Marone get fired this year? Like week four? What's the over under on games before Doug Marone gets fired? Well, they're definitely going to clear house. Uh, over under four? You said four games? No, I, I'm just asking what the over under is. I think four. Four. So when, when we looked it up, it was four and a half. Um, and I think we all took the under. On the, I actually, Newman, you may have taken the over at five before I'll, that. I'll take the over on that for sure. Doug Marone, uh, he's not a bad coach. People forget that he won in Buffalo before they started all this other stuff. He's too. garbage, dude. I'm just saying, <laughs> the guy's got a weird attitude. Uh, he's, he's a lame duck a coach. Dude. I mean, I feel bad for the, the guy almost. But what ended up happening in Buffalo, he won and then thought he was going to get another coaching gig. He thought he was going to get hired, and he didn't. It was like, and I think that has a lot to do with his personality. They say he's cocky. They say he's a lot of weird things to say sometimes. Uh, not not like Mike McCarthy, but I'd say a little bit more cockier than that. No, he, he reminds me of what's his tits in Houston. Oh, freaking Bill, Bill O'Brien. He does. Sure. Like this kind of belligerent, like he thinks he knows more than other people, but he's actually just kind of a fucking idiot. I like that comparison for yeah. sure. Dude, all right. So, so we talked about this a couple weeks ago, and this is what I think Jacksonville is doing. Is I think they don't have. I think they know they don't have the right coach. I think they know they don't have the right quarterback. I think they know they don't really have a direction for their team. The Telvin Smith thing is weird. I mean, we're talking uh, uh, statutory rape charges, like you know, hooking up with with. So this thing is just unfolding. This was probably the best defense just two years ago, right? Uh, like. Straight up, it beat the Steelers like forty six ten. Fucking 46, ridiculous. Seventeen. I, Went to the AFC Championship. Blacked up. Narrowly fuck out. lost to the Patriots. So we're we're talking a team that just a couple years ago had so much promise. Who has to answer for this? You know what I'm saying? Like this this thing is falling apart, and you can't factor in all these things like Telvin Smith. That situation is super weird, but. I think that sometimes organizations realize that they don't have the right guys, but sometimes it's not the right time to move on. You bring in a new coach, and what's the best case scenario? He wins three games this year. 
So sometimes you just got to ride out your, your bad coaches that you know aren't going to be your guys and just know that this is a throwaway season. We're going to get Trevor Lawrence next season. We're going to bring in our new coach, our new, uh, you know, coaching regiment, and we're going to not, we're just going to throw away the season. But it, but 100%. As good, as good as they've been, though, I think there was turmoil during those success years as well. Dude, there was 25% of the league's players' complaints to the association came from the Jacksonville Jaguars, dude. 20 oh, Coughlin was Coughlin was percent, dude. Well, because Coughlin had, that's what I mean by culture issue, and especially nowadays, you can't do a lot of this hard-nosed stuff. I know Bill Belichick gets the rep of being this hard-nosed coach and stuff like that, but he's not quick to find guys like Coughlin was. Coughlin was finding guys for being late for meetings, if I'm not mistaken. Big, big money. For, be, for being on time to meetings, actually. And, if, and, you're 15, and, and, if, if, if you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. Yeah, And, it's, and uh, Billy's got eight reasons why he can be the way he wants to be. So I'm sorry, dude. This just is call not, him Billy. But this is not the league yeah, now. Yeah, Billy, we're tight. So coy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> First name He's doing commercials now. Again, we're dude, tight. Boston fans, I fucking... Derek, I love you, Jiminy but then Christmas, I fucking dude. hate you. That's yeah, what it is. Man. Well, he's just all giddy because Cam Newton got announced a starting quarterback. You know, we're going to yeah. go back and we don't need Tom Brady. So, so back on Doug Marone getting fired for a second here. <laughs> Jay Gruden is the offensive coordinator, right? So he's the clear step in for an interim if there is one, right? So... I think it would be an interim. I also heard a rumor today that Trevor Lawrence and Dabo Sweeney are allegedly a package deal. Yeah, I heard about that. that I heard was, about that. That's big rumor floating That's out, nuts, Dabo. man. And they're going to give Dabo all control, they said, too. Well, because the, the, da- the Dabo thing is not a Saban. You know, a lot of people have, have romanticized. <laughs> I thought that was my dog. Uh, a lot of people have romanticized about you know, Saban going back to the NFL because it is, it's the only hurdle he hasn't conquered, but he's fucking in his mid sixties. There's, there's no going back to the NFL for him. Dabble on the other hand, what is he? I think late forties. Well, he's yeah. got a lot of road ahead of him. I love the prospect of Dabo. Now going to the Jaguars, if there is one guy that can alter the entire culture of that team and, and change it around, it is fucking Dabo Sweeney. But I'm almost fearful for Dabo. Does he go to the Jaguars just to transition to Alabama in the future? Right. Yeah, that's that was exactly the line you I know was what I'm saying. Because well, he, he can't leave Clemson and go to Alabama. Well, there's it's no unhurt. You can't do that, right? But there's no fear at all. Have you seen any consequence or repercussion for any coach leaving college to the pros? Hell no. They, but, arms wide open. That's the same thing Nick but, Saban did in Miami. He bounced. Do you agree that he's created such a legacy at Clemson that it can't even be a clean transition from him to go from Clemson no, he, to Alabama? There, there would have to be some kind of filler. That's what I, I agree. And why sometimes, not? And get, why not take a flyer on yeah. something like Jacksonville where you can't get worse? You know what I'm saying? Like, it, And you get your if, boy. If you, if you marched in with Trevor Lawrence, they would hand you the keys to the castle. 100%. Yeah. Would, a thing that I haven't really read about but I want to chat about is, I mean, a few years ago, a sexy rumor was the Jaguars weren't going to be in Jacksonville anymore. Is this kind of like a big like scheme by the cons to get out of Jacksonville? Well, where they go? They've yeah. been St. Louis, London, but that's not going to happen. No, I don't, I don't think they go anywhere. They were te- they were teasing LA for a long time, but obviously now there's two teams in LA. There's also been like the out of the country London or you know uh, Mexico or maybe even who knows Toronto or something like that. But I, I don't really see them going anywhere. I don't. So, so with two teams in LA and a team in Vegas, where's the next boogeyman for the NFL to threaten teams to 
build stadiums. So to build stadiums. London's always been uh, rumored. It's nonsense. It logistically, it makes no sense whatsoever. I don't think you could move just one team, right? You'd have to move. They could never play Monday night games. They could never play Sunday night games. Yeah, I mean, I think think you got. I think you get Milwaukee. You got St. Louis. You got Oklahoma City. Milwaukee, though, get out of here. Green Bay, get out of here, dude. That that market (laughs) is saturated. No way, Milwaukee. How do you leave Florida right now? Like, come on, it's the best income tax state. You can draw players in like that, and that's. A big that's a big draw when sure, you start to talk about signing players Florida. and where their taxes are going i think more players are becoming more and more aware of this issue and that draws also good signings i don't think they go anywhere what about oakland yeah i no. so 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 st louis wants a football well, so here's team the, back here's so the problem bad. with oakland they wouldn't build the, the raiders a stadium the jags aren't going to move there to play in a dump a walk can change in a couple years that's what i'm sure saying. right investors i mean well, dude, teams have been trying to go to Vegas for years, and they haven't because Vegas wasn't willing to put up the money for it. Uh, the market was always in question. Uh, I, I think if you give Oakland a couple years where they're delayed, I mean, look, nobody thought that it was going to come. Well, people did think it was going to come back to L.A., but it was not a successful vent- venture the first time around in L.A., not even slightly. The L.A. Rams was a disaster. The L.A. Raiders were, was a disaster, obviously why they moved back to uh, Oakland. So Oakland is 100% a big enough market to support a team, even even though they're so close to San Francisco. I think give them a couple years, let them ponder the mistake that they made. It was a fucking mistake. It was. It was an absolute mistake. You lost one of the most iconic franchises in all sports. This would almost be like Green Bay. You know what I'm saying? Going to like fucking Albuquerque. It's it, it, it. I never thought it would actually happen. The fact that it did is bizarre and it speaks volumes to Oakland's reluctance to give them what they want. You're seeing, I mean, just outside of football and, and I know it's kind of, you know, we get kind of weird with, you know, economics and stuff. If, if you see more people transforming and, and kind of transitioning to work from home practice, moving out of Silicon Valley over to Oakland, there could be more from a, from a, from a, capital standpoint people are able to spend money in oakland that could support another team and raise that tax base where they want to spend the money on a team sure i fully support the vegas move because i think they're going to end up challenging at&t stadium and jerry jones for revenue over there in, in vegas dude that place is never going everybody's going to gonna want to watch a game there man. every Everybody. single part you don't even have to worry about a base uh, like a football fan i get it i would be devastated if the tampa bay buccaneers up and left and went somewhere i understand that wholeheartedly but from a business standpoint this is probably one of the smartest things the Oakland Raiders have ever done. L- Las Vegas Raiders it's now, obviously. the venue this, in all of sports. Dude, this venue, I went through like the virtual tour thing and the stuff online with the pictures. It was absurd. And you're talking Vegas, baby. You have no lack of people. It's international, man. They are going to bank on this. And I think Jerry Jones is going to see some competition big time when it comes and, to the And look o- at the, the way Las they embrace hockey. I mean, yeah. you, when, you, when you're thinking hockey, dude. you don't think the middle of the fucking desert. Dude, if you go to the And airport, they embrace the hockey team immediately. I, I worry about the Rays, man. Uh, Vegas has shown that they can get an immediate following. You bring an organization like the Rays over to Vegas, and who knows? But uh, I was going to say, how big of a fucking uh, misstep was it for Roomba? Not to try and... <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Shit, it does look like Vegas, the Vegas stadium. stadium looks like a giant... If you're listening to us right now, Google the Vegas Stadium right now. Uh, first of all, Allegiant? It's Allegiant. One of the shittiest airlines in the entire country that's sponsoring them. I'm, I'm always a little bit surprised by some of these sponsors. That is very surprising. Uh, a lot of their revenue, almost all the revenue, comes from their Vegas flights. 
but so bizarre allegiant jesus what is yeah. what would they rank in terms of airlines in the u.s like the I've, trash. I've flown Ninth? allegiant to vegas <laughs> yeah, i think say? i have too trash. all right i gotta get the question around the horn spirit or allegiant which one are you taking uh, uh, Allegiant. no so so allegiant is is one of the primary uh airlines that flies out of saint pete they literally buy old wash up planes that other airlines are no longer comfortable carrying now it came out there was a which tw- is scary as fuck. it's terrifying so st pete airport which is literally only like 10 miles from where we're doing this podcast right now not even actually um allegiant is their main airline that flies out of there and uh 60 minutes had a report about what they do i mean they they straight up buy planes that other airlines are no longer comfortable i got having. one comment for that drew if I die, I <laughs> die. If we die, we die. Hey, go down with the play. Wait, wait. Well, so you, well you, played, you, sir. You, you tell me I'm going to be able to fly out to Vegas and see my team in the same place I can bet. If I die, I die. <laughs> well, well, check this out. Speak, speaking of dying, college football. Well, well hold, on, hold on before we get there. That's a human segue oh, if I've ever heard it. Hold on before we go there. I just want to jump in one thing on the Vegas thing. Speaking so, of dying. Oh, so double of, segue. So, so one of my buddies has, uh, he's a Denver Broncos fan. He bought season tickets for Vegas because the Broncos are going to play there at least once a year, right? So that's one out of the eight home games that he guarantees. And then you could just sell the other seven games if you want, or decide to go to a game randomly here or there. But like, that's a great investment for, for a team who's in that division. You're guaranteed a game, right? Hopefully when they open up to have the stadium full though, too, because that's I, a big deal. The sport, I, one thing I can guarantee you uh, to our listeners is that the sports memory is going to a game in Vegas and we're going to do a big, we're going to do some podcasts over there. Uh, I wish we could have fucking made the draft, but dude, the draft in Vegas last year, yeah, that sounded interesting. It got ruined by COVID. You know what draft sounds way better? Cleveland. Cleveland. <laughs> 2021. Cleveland. The Fun party, times in Cleveland the again. Party capital of the world. Cleveland I th- rocks. I think the sports memory needs to commit to going and being. We should try and get press passes. We should go for the whole fucking thing. I'm in. Let's I fucking feel, I feel go like to Cleveland. Cleveland is, is brand. Wait, what? Cleveland might be pretty on brand for right now. Oh, dude. For, for us or for the league? Hey. Uh, both. Let's face it. In terms of uh, sports websites slash podcasts, we're pretty Cleveland right now. Sure. <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, I know a lot of people that go to Cleveland that actually really like it. Um, but uh, I don't know if I would. Yeah. We should go see. Yeah. We should go see if we can have. Of, speaking of Ohio, uh, Ooh, let, let's talk it's college a Newman football. Segway. There we go. Um, so football, college football, starting back. Yes, it is. Um, pretty exciting. Um, what I want to talk about selfishly is how hard uh, Ohio State, Nebraska, Iowa is straight up calling out the conference. Good for them. Uh, and are going to not keep this like not make this political but the president of the United States is telling the Big 10 you have to play football. Right. Yeah. Um they they're targeting an October 25th start date and it's got some serious momentum. Yeah. I mean, sign me up, I don't care. Like play it out. I the, the question I still have if you do start the season that staggered, right? So Wait. So the the so ACC four, four or five weeks behind ACC starting like early September SEC starting late September and then that would be a full month behind for the Big Ten. When do you line up the playoff games and things like that? Like that's big gaps potentially. Maybe 
the teams stagger some games because of COVID issues. So, so what I heard but, is New Year's or New Year's Six and playoff only, no other bowl games. Like only New Year's Six and and uh, Final Four would be the only eligible Big Ten. Like they they wouldn't do anything else. Gotcha. Um, you think, which so, which, which is bad for Indiana. Do you think correct? Yeah, we're definitely not, definitely like a before I, I Christmas. Indi- bowl. I think Indiana looked to be a pretty good team this year, but you're not winning that conference. Like one of the best teams Indiana has had in so long. Yeah, it was the first time they were it's ranked since 1992. They were preseason ranked 23. Uh, nobody else cares about Indiana, so I'll stop talking. But yeah, no. Um, uh, honestly, we need to see Ohio State. We can't have a we can't have a playoff without Justin Fields in Ohio State. Weirdly enough, one of the top. 10 cities in terms of followers for the sports memory is Indianapolis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's hey, not only, it's not because of my hard work. I'll if, tell you that. <laughs> if you're, if it's not, if you're listening out there. Yeah. Ho- hopefully you're jabbing with this Indiana content, but do you guys, what, what does the NCAA do as a whole? If like the big 10 starts late, what do they do with the national championship? Is it, is, is this shit going to be in like March? I think they're more than happy to delay it. I don't I think hope that's they do. an issue. They, I mean, how many days are in between the national championship anyways in the playoffs? I, I think they give them a full two I, weeks I anyways it, after the playoffs. I, I got it. You have the national championship game a week after the Super Bowl. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. Because there's nothing going on. You just steal it like, go it's, right momentum. That's honestly momentum. a great idea. That's a if, phenomenal idea. If they idea. can pull that, uh, pull that off because... You know, when, when I'm you, impressed Newman thought of that, actually. Well, when, you go, shit. when you go after the Super Bowl, the couple days after the Super Bowl, it feels like a couple days after you just went out with your buddies to like Vegas and you did some wrong things and your serotonin's really wrong, <laughs> really down. It really does. Like you're, you're, you're all fucking down. Imagine if you're like, hey, buddy, I know the NFL's done. I'm fucking sad about it, too. Guess what's next week, man? National fucking championship. The natty, baby. Yeah. I would fucking love that. I, re- I would. I don't know who wouldn't. How do you not? And the NCAA is going to have to do something about the lost revenue that coming up. I mean, talk about D1 sports, FSU, Florida Gators, the schools that we've all gone to their stadiums and saw how much draw their sports bring into the college. This is going to be in the town and the town. Yeah, those and cities, those cities get crushed. Well, so if, here, if there's no, if there's no football. So for instance, the university of Tennessee, I think they draw on the most revenue out of any college football team in the entire nation. I believe as far as a town goes and, and the school goes, Knoxville's and they're not ball. even good. They have not even been good in a long time. Yeah. This is going to impact a lot of people and we're going to have to see some type of revenue exchange and it's going to have to be through viewership and who isn't going to watch that game a week after the Super Bowl. The world will be watching. Everybody would. Derek, uh, I know you posted the article in our, our group text. Uh, I want to hear your take. Uh, there's there's an issue with Big Ten athletes that, are, that have tested positive for COVID and a heart defect. You want to speak to that? So I will butcher the name of it, but it starts with an M. Uh, Basically what it is, is is myocarditis or something. Yeah, I'll I'll butcher it. Uh, But basically what it is, is is a inflammation of the heart. It's an, it's an effect uh, that they're realizing COVID. Uh, One of the first athletes that I saw that had, it was um, uh, the pitcher for the Red Sox. Rodriguez. Yeah. Eduardo Rodriguez. So have they officially like they, they can contribute this directly to COVID now? Absolutely. Well, inflammation. Yeah. Are you sure? It, yeah. Or is it just a correlation? No, no. COVID does infl- in, the heart. inflammation mm-hmm. of not only the heart, but respiratory system. It's, it's an inflammatory virus as yeah. well. So it's a big, it's a big cause. Interesting. So, yeah. yeah. And, and one of the, one of the uh, contributing factors to the, 
the increase, increased risk is, is obesity or being overweight. So you talk about some of these offensive linemen, defensive linemen, they're at a significant risk of like long-term heart complications from this. Absolutely. Right. I mean, those guys force feed themselves, man. You see the guys that end up retiring like um, Joe Thomas right now. When you see him on TV, that guy is down. How many pounds? Like He's looking to felt. Um, Matt Burke went from Joe NFL Thomas center to man. underwear model. Uh, so these, these guys are force feeding themselves to gain weight and keep going. I mean, my brother oh, yeah. himself was second team all state in Florida and would not get recruited because he wasn't big enough. He, he did, wasn't tall enough, and he didn't weigh enough. He ended up getting to college. He was 300 pounds. My brother's 245 pounds now, if that gives you any reference, like from personal experience. These guys Is are really? overeating. Yeah, he's wow. way down now. Yeah, I, I, sh- I showed up up there. Uh, they were like, okay, you can be an average athleticism defensive end or an athletic defensive tackle. Here's two Gatorade protein shakes. Uh, you're going to take one, two of these with you back to your room every time you leave the, the workout facility. Oh, my God. So that's how that goes. What? And, and, that, and that's at, at a school that you're not allowed to get to certain weights, right? Yeah. So we got we basically got exemptions from some of the physical restrictions on on size and body mass index um, just to play football. And then they have, a, they have a specific program to drop all that weight as soon as you're done playing your senior year. Weight is so what a- happened to you, Derek? Yeah, uh, I'm just kidding, oh, bud. Yeah. I'm just Absolutely. kidding, bud. Easy to he, say. He got out of there. Some really <laughs> terrible eating habits. That was encouraged, <laughs> and just decided to carry him for another decade. <laughs> now, Derek uh, coincidentally suffered from a sh- shoulder and knee injuries. Man, there's no coming back from those things. No. It yeah. really isn't like once once they start happening and they keep happening, it's 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 terrifying. It, especially when, as a junior in high school, you have your offensive guard during a football game, pop your shoulder back into place multiple times. Well, yeah. So, so you had a uh, dislocation issues. Um, another big story this week is Derwin James uh, having a, I mean, meniscus. Sometimes you can come back from that in two weeks. Uh, the type of meniscus tear that he had, he's out for the entire season. Six to eight months. So with the meniscus, I've, I literally, uh, from what my surgeon tells me, I, and this was at the age of 21 when I had the surgeries, pretty much like you straight up have no meniscus in your left knee. You have a little bit and we carved it out. We cleaned it up. Uh, but what happens with the meniscus is once it deteriorates, uh, once it get in, once it gets injured, they can clean it up, but they can only clean it up so many times. Mm-hmm. So this is a very concerning injury. Um, I don't know a lot about his prognosis or anything like that, but it sounds like this cut was deep enough that they couldn't just clean it up and that he could get it back in in season. Um, this is uh, pretty alarming for Derwin James's future. I so, think it's long term, yeah, big time. It's a, I don't think it's that they don't want him to come back. If they make a big push, if they're really winning and Tyrod Taylor's throwing dimes and keeping the offense at bay and they're doing their thing, I think he does come back. So you think they're just keeping their franchise I think out? they're definitely watching him because I think he's just on injured reserve right now. He can't. No, he's he, still well, slated he had, to come he had back. Surgery. Yeah, surgery. No, he's, he's out six, six to eight six for eight months. No, it's... He's six, not coming back for sure. Six, six to eight, six yeah. to eight months. Yeah. I thought they were. He went under the, the knife. He's done. Nah. He's done. Okay, I thought it was strictly for the franchise where they were saying, "Hey, we're going to take some time and let this go." Because, like you said, it's like three to four weeks. Other players have come back and played. No problem. No, not not this. But I thought yeah. this was more sometimes of a they can just clean it up and you're back out in the field next yeah, week. Sure. So, um, Drew, depends on the tear. You had a great point in our in our group chat with the Bob Sanders comp. Um, I'm reading a tweet right now. 
Derwin James is the only position player since the 1970s merger to earn a Pro Bowl and first team All Pro while playing under 25 games. Yes, he, he's he literally just made history. So which is crazy. I said in our unfortunate group, history, but history nonetheless. Trip. I said in our group chat the other day, uh, we actually played high school with a guy that I would equate to this. Some guys play harder than their bodies. Uh, we played high school football, or uh, you guys did. I actually never actually played with them, but Colby Erskine. Sure. Uh, we always used to joke that he was a white guy that ran too fast for his ligaments. <laughs> True story. He ran like a 4-2 like, flat on, on a track, Yeah. Uh, which obviously is inflated but, or whatever, but uh, he tore his ACL in college at USF, and um, yep. there are guys that... I, I truly believe that there are some people in, in, in Sanders is certainly Bob Sanders, the uh, one of the most explosive safeties that's ever played the game, but he played too hard. And I think that's what Derwin James does. He's this freak athlete, but his intensity might be too hard for his body. Well, I think Bob Sanders, though, was trying. He was taking people's heads off, too. And Bob Sanders, I think, Bob was, Sanders was, a he, was uh, he was 5'9". I think yeah, five he, was, he was he very, was very, small very guy. undersized. That's what scares me with Derwin is that it's a soft tissue issue. Yes. It's not him colliding into people, getting concussions. All that played into Bob Sanders' career, and he it was an amazing career, a short one. But I think Derwin, being that size, he has the way to hit people, but the soft tissue, that makes me a little nervous, man. It can keep popping up again and again. Like you said, if his meniscus is gone, who knows, man? Dude, Bob Sanders, the, when you the, heard the Bob Freeman does a little bit of that, too. He does. Yeah, he, he like looks for contact, and he he like knocks himself out of games a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Just to bring it back to that Vita Vea pick, ain't looking too bad, is it, boys? <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna die on that hill. So, so real quick, when you said that Bob Sanders comp, I was like, no, he played more than that. Never finished a regular season, and the most games he ever played, including playoffs, was only seventeen. Wow. So like he like he literally net like he went to the Super Bowl and won a Super Bowl. So that means even in that season he didn't play every game. That's how right. freaking and, and he good didn't he have was. the benefit of Derwin's stature. Like Bob Sanders was little, dude. And that comes to yeah, film. Derwin's Derwin, Derwin, Derwin's a beast. That comes to film in terms and of instinct, physicality. Though. Bob Sanders' instinct reminded me of Ed Reed. Man, he just did not have the stature Ed Reed did. Ed Reed's six foot, right at two hundred pounds. He's a freaking freak. And Ball Hawk Reed I, is one is of my favorite. The, is he the best Ball Hawk time. safety of all time? I believe one hundred percent. People try to compare. I don't him really with a have. Lot of other guys. I don't really have an I think argument it's against Ed that. Reed. So uh, another guy that I think actually played with an intensity that was too intense for his body. And dude, but you're gonna like this is Paul Amalu. Uh, who actually, for, at the beginning of his career, didn't have really health issues. Um, but I think he played with an intensity that took him out of the league. Um, I'm actually watching guys like Harrison Smith to see if they're going to have the same type of uh, ending to their career. These are guys, I mean, if you're Paul Malu, you're expected to cover a wide receiver. You're also expected to come up in the box and take out you know, a Pat, week. Pat McAfee trying to do a, a punter yeah. sneak. <laughs> but you, you, you see what I'm saying? So I think Paul Molly is a guy that played with an intensity that his body could actually match, but at the end of his career, it just couldn't. His decline was one of the worst decline. I, I can't even yeah, really compare him to somebody else. Like he went from all pro 
in like 2011 to out of the league in 2013. Right. Like it was, it was like two years mm-hmm. and he, he was literally top of the NFL to, he can't even make the roster and the roster wasn't that good. Right. Honestly. Yeah. Um, it, it, it was insane. But I think that's what you're seeing more and more safeties having to step up in the box and hybrid linebackers as well in the league to try to match up with a lot of the tight ends that we're seeing now two, three tight end sets, but the tight ends, not only can they block like George Kittle, but they can also run your post route and strike for 65 yards down the damn field. So you're having to see a lot more strong safety play and a flex linebacker come up in those boxes too to take that on because if you only have a cornerback out there, guess what? He's getting bulldozed and Derrick Henry's running a 75-yard touchdown. Which is what made a guy like Derwin James so valuable, right? Because he has that almost positionless ability where he can dominate from any spot on the field when he's on the field. Being on the field is a critical aspect of it. The best ability is is, is availability. Availability Availability is the best ability. Derwin James could have been an elite middle linebacker. Had, had he been trained in that position, uh, he could have been like a Patrick Willis type with the speed and athleticism. Uh, he's a guy that can come up to the line just like Paul Malu, guard any wide receiver on the field. Um, it's a real shame what's happening with him. Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're, I'm th- sad. we're three years in and uh, we're seeing a great talent that just can't stay on the field. And that, yep. that makes me sad. And we're sure. all fans. We all want to see him come out and ball. I mean, the guy came rookie season man and already made a huge impact on the league so we just wish him the best hope he can get back and then we'll see the chargers going into the playoffs maybe so so speaking of talents that we're not going to get to see on the field this year let's it's go a newman segue uh, we don't have the voice clip queued up so i'm just gonna have to do that manually <laughs> so, so going going back to college there was a couple of guys that announced that they're going to opt out of the college football season even though they're playing for schools in the sec and and aac that are going to play starting this fall Jamar Chase, who's the number one wide receiver on the board uh, at LSU, dominated at LSU with, you know, that Joe Burrow offense. He decided he's going to opt out. And then Jamie Newman, uh, the quarterback for Georgia, who just transferred in from Wake Forest, decided he's going to opt out, as well as Kenneth Gainwell from uh, Memphis, who's maybe one of the top running backs, if not the top running back on the board. All these guys are opting out. These are big-name players. Are you surprised? What do you think? Because their conferences said that they're going to play for now. Yeah, I mean, I get Gainwell and I get Chase, right? Like, the, the tape's out there. They're going to be first-round guys. Sure. Uh, it's the Jamie New- Newman one that gets me really confused. Like, he, he's coming from, from Wake Forest, uh, you know, could really vault his stature and his and where he's going to get drafted and really put him play himself into a first day. I mean, with without Ohio State in potentially in in the field, wide open for Georgia, Georgia is wide open. A, almost a lock for a, a college football playoff appearance. Are they not? With an asterisk for sure. So, so if mean, you're so if you're Jamie Newman, like why would you just pull yourself out of that? And it's not like that guy has enough tape to be. I'm a top 10 pick or I'm a first round pick even. I mean, you also got to think of agents that are talking to these guys, man. I mean, maybe he does have, he thinks he has a talent and he can go into the combine and wow people. We've seen that big combine performances. Maybe this guy's practicing and hitting a 40 plus inch vertical, whatever broad jump. And then he can come in and wow some people. I don't blame these players for trying to sit out and saying, Hey, I don't know what's going to happen this season. And a lot of guys that are on these scholarships, let's just be honest. They're not there for school. These guys want to go pro, whether it's football whether it's basketball these guys are trying to make money and that and i i understand them trying to protect that it's no big deal sure i mean here's here's the question for for jamie newman though specifically 
is your tape good enough that you're going to get looked at? Because there's questions about him from his time at Wake Forest. If you look at last season, his appearances at Wake Forest, whenever they actually played a decent defense, he looked bad. But he was off. That's why I brought up his agent, though, in the combine. The combine well, cha- turns heads. Theoretically, it, he doesn't have an agent until he actually decides to forego his season. But so. if you it don't think no that he's been talking to somebody, come on, let's not be naive here. So, We've all watched the program or any of these other freaking... Well, well, let me ask you, so there, you know, with, with college, it's all about uh, gameplay and then what you can do in the combine. Uh, the combination of those two is basically what determines the NFL's interest in you, right? Sure. Name a player that you've seen that was really, really, really dominant in the combine uh, that wasn't that great in college that was a great success. There's been a few. Oh, yeah. Um, but that, some combine darlings. For sure. So so guys that just weren't that dominant, uh, that just tore up the combine, you don't see that that often, but who, who, who stands out? With, in terms of that. So, so I think when, when you're looking at that, most of the time what you're looking at is some guys like maybe Ali Marpet, right? Like Ali Marpet, he's, he went to a D3 school. Then he goes to the combine, lights it up, and then he's on the Bucks, and he's all pro, pro bowl caliber player. Ooh, so I got a great one. Y- you get some of these small, sky, small school guys that just, for whatever reason, in high school, they were overlooked and they develop into these stud athletes, right? Then you have some other guys that, uh, you know, in their in terms of coming out of high school, they change position and all of a sudden they become this freak. And it's like, oh, if we would have just moved him there in high school, we would maybe we would have been a lot better. But or if schools would have been like, hey, if we'd have grabbed that guy and thought to move him, they could have been freaks. For instance, let's take Xavier Rhodes, right? Xavier Rhodes was a three star athlete coming out of a school in Miami where he's pretty good. He's a wide receiver. Jimbo Fisher brings him in and says, hey, we want you to play corner after like a season, like a half a season. And so they moved in the corner and he becomes a first round draft pick at the cornerback position. Sometimes it's an understanding and a vision of seeing a guy's skill set and finding a better fit for him. But what so, does this combine have yeah, to do with that? Darius Hayward No, I'm just, I'm just talking about guys who have differences, well, you know, in but that you brought change. up a coach. You brought up a coaching point where a guy recognizes, hey, you're not going to excel at this position. It, it's like a guy who's playing fullback and can transition into linebacker. He's got the speed and the agility, but he's not fast enough to run the ball. He's not going to do it, so they, they change him. But when you're talking about combine, what I'm talking about is 40 times, bench press, broad jump, all these things where people see explosiveness and craziness, and it does draw them to, dr- to draft you. I don't care who you are. Whether you call them draft darlings or, or combine darlings, that is going to turn anybody's head, man. Look at DK Metcalf, or I know it, I'm not stealing Brandon's thunder, but wide receivers, right? How many of them you seen that run a 4-2-4-3-40, but they can't get in and out of their breaks? Darius Hayward Bay. Tavon Austin <laughs> was a top 10 pick. He was number eight yeah, that's in the crazy. draft. But like, he sucked. So Drew was talking about a guy that actually was good after their combine performance and coming out of nowhere. Tavon Austin was really good at West Virginia, had a good combine, went early, and then bombed in the NFL. So he's a bust. So Derwin James, it was, it, it was my example, weirdly enough, uh, was a guy that at Florida State, his stats, not that impressive at all. Sure, but his pedigree and the understanding of what he did and meant to that offense the film that he did have was really good well so i'm like, saying but, but it's it, like w- saying a cotton sorry to cut you off Drew. it's it's about like saying daryl revis only has two batted balls well how many balls were thrown his way over the season right about half of what's been thrown at any other cornerback in the league that's just the example i think that 
my point is that guys that just over succeed in the combine that actually that didn't have great college careers that have great NFL careers. They're very few and far between. You'd agree with that? Uh, Generally, yes. But here's the other thing that plays into the caveat of you have to have a good enough season or enough draft attention on you to warrant being invited to the combine. Well, and think of like Joe Flacco, Delaware State. Comes out of nowhere, starts yeah. bombing the ball. Has so Joe Flacco. Comeback, and he wasn't even that good of a quarterback. We all know that, right? Joe, he won the Super Bowl, got paid $100 million contract. And what has he done since? So, so Joe Flacco actually went to Pitt, the University of Pittsburgh, before, before he went to Delaware State. Lost to a guy by the name of Tyler Palco, who wound up being a backup quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs before he transferred to Delaware uh, and, and was like a D2 school that was actually pretty good at that time. But the point is, is he wowed. He wowed. He had the sure. stature, the big height, arm, the height, the weight. What if he was five foot ten or five nine? Oh, he would have never had a chance. It's that's my whole point. It's all about pedigree and stats for these guys because it translates. They go, I can teach this guy. I don't care if he's doesn't have good tape. This guy's a freaking monster. Look at him. Look at everything that he's doing. I will coach him. I will get the best offensive line coach or wide receiver coach or running back. Put insert your position. But that's how these guys feel in the pros. They feel like they can change you. That's why you see these high draft picks where people are scratching their heads because they think they know better. And some of them do. Some of them don't. Yeah. I don't know. that The Combine's an interesting thing. Uh, guys that have made their career at the Combine, they're few and far between is basically my point. You almost have sure. to combine your college uh, prowess with the Combine to be drafted as high as you are. There are guys that... You know, they go to smaller schools, they are shines, they shine in the combine and uh, they get drafted earlier. Uh, what's his name um, from the Seattle? Uh, Metcalf? Yeah, Metcalf, just last year. Some, some people thought he was a fringe first rounder. They dogged him, though, too, saying he couldn't run routes. They and dogged the him and A.J. Brown. You know, they had the picture of them flexing. Yeah, at, I was there at, at, at Ole Miss. Yeah, and they were like, oh, dude, these guys aren't, these guys are paper tigers. Uh, uh, bullshit. DK Metcalf and AJ Brown had seasons. I mean, yeah. they're studs. They're ballers. I, I still have doubts about Metcalf, but I like AJ Brown a lot. To clarify about the combine too, I'm not saying that if a guy has a good combine that he's going to be a great NFL player. But what I am saying, the college players that we're talking about opting out, they might have somebody in their ear who says, hey, you can get paid this year without having to wait another whole year and then play college football Perhaps next season. We don't even know. 2021. We'll see. I'm hoping 2020, but you don't know that. So these guys are taking a chance to say, hey, I'm going to get in the combine. I'm going to prove myself, and I'm going to get signed that way and make some money instead of being with the NCAA who's trying to take my money, not give me any. Count me as a skeptic of the Jamie Newman decision, but I, uh, for Jamar Chase and Kenneth Gainwell, like Brandon said, I think it makes the most sense. So, so some tragedy this week. Uh, a legend died. Uh, yeah. Miss, Mr. Tom Weaver. Tom, Tom Seaver. Tom Seaver. Uh, Tom Seaver, yeah. I, I apologize. Somebody misspelled that on the uh, outline. <laughs> yeah, Tom, uh, Tom Seaver, uh, a Mets legend. And we actually have a Mets, quote-unquote, fan. Yeah, the, uh, the greatest Met of all time. He's actually my dad's favorite player. Um, he, you know, he's... Vince Scully came, went on to Twitter, basically put himself into a Twitter so that he could comment on Tom Seaver and said, Tom Seaver is the greatest right-handed pitcher I've ever watched play. And that's Vince Scully, who's seen a lot of pitchers play. That's pretty high praise. Um, 
So I just wanted to give an ode to Tom Seaver. Uh, for a moment, I'm going to talk about a couple little stats that he's got here, uh, which I think are interesting that some people might not know about Tom Seaver, but he's actually, um, at the time of his retirement, he was third all-time in strikeouts with 3,640, uh, trailing only Nolan Ryan and Steve Carlton, who were both pretty good. Wow. Um, he uh, has the most consecutive strikeouts in the history of Major League Baseball to this day with 10 consecutive strikeouts of batters. Uh, his lifetime earn run average was 286, tied for third among all starting right, start, starting pitchers in the live ball era, behind only Whitey Ford and Sandy Koufax, <laughs> who are also pretty good pitchers. Uh, and then he also holds uh, the record for consecutive 200 strikeout seasons with nine. Uh, he has 61 con- uh, shut, career shutouts, second only to Warren Spawn in the live ball era, and his win-loss record percentage of 603 is one of the highest of any Hall of Fame pitcher with 300 wins in the live ball era before Mariano Rivera was inducted with a, with a hundred percent. He had one of the highest percentages of hall of fame induction, um, for any, for any player, which is, you know, he, he was the record holder for a long time. So that, that all leads into uh, Newman trivia for today. Hey, rest, rest, in power, Tom. Right now. rest in peace. Dude, that, that for those who are still awake, Newman trivia. Dude, <laughs> I, I, listen, I'm sorry, but, I, I gotta get like a guy. That's, that, not, that's that, not the Newman trivia, is it? He, no, he he was that good. Like it, it's just it's impressive to me that a guy can be that good. At, did he a, win any championships with the Mets? Yes, he did. Nineteen eighty six. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Or I'm sorry, sixty nine. Yeah. Nineteen sixty nine. Yes. Wow, what a year for the fucking New York. Yep, nineteen sixty nine. Mets Jets won as well, right? Yes. Yeah. So the Jets technically won in like January of nineteen sixty nine. Joe Namath. Uh, the guarantee. You know, actually. All Broadway Joe. Yes. Yeah. The well, uh, actually. So anyway, uh, Newman trivia for today. Let's Tom Seaver is one of six players with three Cy Youngs. There's four players that have more than three Cy Young victories. Can you name them? Sandy no one ranks. No, I know Pe- Pedro and Randy Johnson did it like the same time. So Pedro is wrong. Randy Johnson is correct with five. Sandy Koufax is not right. Nope. No, no one Ryan's, no one not, Ryan's right. not correct. Nope. Interesting. Wow. Um, Kershaw? Anyone, anyone recent? Kurt Schilling? N- no, oh, active, Roger Clemens. No, no active player. Roger Clemens Roger has Clemens. seven. He is the most. So I thought. No active player. Shit. Uh, Randy, do you already say he Randy said Johnson? Randy. Yep. No Kurt um, Schilling? No, no. I don't think Schilling. I think Schilling only won like two. My baseball hit. Uh, Babe shit. Ruth? Greg Maddox? <laughs> Greg Maddox with four. Nice. You got, you got three of them. There's yeah. one more. John Schmoltz. Uh, Steve Carlton, Go who I've already Arr. mentioned. I didn't think you guys were going to get him. He also has four. So, uh, so it's a pretty, pretty small list, but uh, yeah. So ode to Tom Seaver. Uh, and, and Rest enjoy. in power, brother. Uh, uh, I, ho- I hope you play a great game up in the sky. Oh yeah, man. Cheers. That's 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 sad, and uh, you know, one of the greatest players ever for a uh, lackluster organization. Yeah. Speaking um, of dominance, <laughs> do we want to jump to the NFC West? Well, no. I got to go. We're we're doing this, and this is a one time thing. But uh, we're gonna do Drewman trivia. Oh shit! I, I, I came across a very interesting stat today uh, that I just found fascinating because the teams are strange. So that should give you a clue. Uh, Tom Brady, his overall record against every team in the NFL, he does not have a single losing record. But he does have three tied records. Can you name those three teams? Miami Dolphins. Yeah, that was my first guess. Nope. No. Not Not even close, actually. Buffalo Bills? Nope. It would be nobody oh my in the God. division. He's, he's owned he's, the division. He's 32 and three against, or he's like 31 I th- and three. I thought I had it to Miami. No, no, is it the Chicago Bears? Not even close. 
No. Um, it's got to be some NFC teams that he doesn't play a lot. It's probably not the Colts. Yeah. It's probably not the Colts. Oh, it's um, it's got to be somebody that he doesn't no, play. No, he yeah. fucking hammered the Colts. Yeah. And the Steelers. Yeah, there's no chance. So it's for, NFC. First of all, how, how, give, how, give us a minute. How, how insane is it that he doesn't have a losing record against a single team? That's, that's, that's unreal. How, how about Seattle? Yes. That's, that's one, one of them. them. What about the New York New Giants? Saints? New York Giants? Not the Saints. Damn it. Um... Cowboys. Nope. No way. Um, yeah, it's got to be NFC teams. How about Carolina 49ers? Panthers? It's, oh. it's all NFC teams. Yeah. I actually know these un- unbelievably. Oh, my God. Carolina, did you say Carolina's I, one? I, I so that's said. one of three. No, so we got Carolina's two. not one. No, he's not. Uh, one. Carolina is one of oh, them. Oh, I said so there's two. So we got Seattle. Carolina and Seattle. Carolina. Yeah, okay, sorry. So we need one more. Carolina is one. Okay. Um, and sorry, I missed the Carolina. That's right. The Rams were trash. The it's Cardinals were trash. The Eagles? Back up there. The Rams? The Cardinals. Cardinals? The wow. Cardinals. Wow. Dude, th- during what? Brady's reign, the Cardinals played. What a Terrible. strange list of he's, players. He's that must twice. have been when Kurt Warner was the quarterback. <laughs> Dude, and Car- no, not Carson, but In Kurt his Warner. ridiculous career, the fact that he doesn't have a losing record against a single team is unreal. Yeah. I guarantee you there, there's not a single other quarterback that's played for 10 plus years that sure, can say many games. Derek will tell you, Bill. Cardinals, Panthers, Seahawks. Yeah, what a weird <laughs> combination of teams. And this includes playoffs, everything. Yeah. Seattle, uh, Seattle's like, that's an easy one. But Carolina and Arizona, that's yes. odd. Bizarre. That's odd. Dude, I thought that, it was good. That Seattle defense, I, it's no wonder, man. That really, that defense was something else. Cam Chancellor is one of the most underrated safeties. Region of oh, yeah, that guy. He was ridiculous. With him and Earl Thomas back there, it was a thunder and lightning, man. Speaking of guys crazy. that played outside their body. Oh. Chancellor, one hundred percent, played too hard, and he was oh. so tall. Dude, the thing, the thing he was is, washed up at thirty-one. The thing he was is, a linebacker. You would, you would think that his body could take the hits that he was given, but it mm-hmm. was insane because he was he was stacked. He really was, but he he really just played way too hard. If you're like Jack sa- Tatum, freaking Ronnie Lott, smashing people across I mean, the you middle. You think about it, if you're a safety that has to step up to the line, you're going to take a beating that other safeties don't. So mm-hmm. Chancellor is yep. one of those guys. Speaking of Seattle, do we want to jump all over? Probably the most interesting conference. Or division? Yes, let's do it. Please. Let's do it. Cool. So I think, honestly, you could go winner three different ways here. Um, so I just kind of want to hear the winner around the table. I'm going to start with me. Um, you know, I think San Francisco falls off the deep end, and just I love Russell Wilson. So I'm going Seattle winning that division, but I think they eat their own. I think they win in at, at 10 and 6. Does anybody disagree with Seattle at number one? I do. So uh, uh, j- well. just for some context, we, thought. We, yeah, for we've sure. been doing previews of different divisions. Uh, today is NFC West. The last division for our The board. last division for our previews. So uh, Brandon's going Seattle, and uh, I don't agree either. I am going to go back with the 49ers. What John Lynch is building there is absolutely ridiculous. And then they just shirt up the left tackle with Williams. Are you kidding me? This dude, this team is ready to roll, man. It is going to be. So you don't sk- believe in the Super Bowl hangover? No, not at all. Um, I think it's so real. I'm not saying it's not real. The it bu- is. the the Bucks came off of that, but they didn't, dude. They didn't win. Like I, just, I don't up. think the supporting cast around Russ is that good this year. No, it's not. Uh, agreed. I, I I honestly I think I like them third in, in, the, in that division. I like the Rams a lot, and I like the the 49ers a lot. And I don't care what posturing they're doing right now. The 49ers will have Mohamed Sanu on their roster. 
That's an interesting fit. Because so you're saying cut he, or trade he, real quick? No, well, he just got, got, cut got cut by New today. England. He got cut. Um, I missed yeah. that. I was flying yeah, He got cut today. by New England. He played for Shanahan in, in Atlanta. In Atlanta. Like, it, just, it, it makes a lot of sense. And Ayuk is hurt right now. They're, uh, they're actually yeah. really concerned about Their him. whole depth chart at wide receiver is hurt, basically. For our yeah. listeners on a tiny tangent, if uh, Brandon's voice sounds a little bit more velvety this week, it's because he's in studio. Whoop, whoop. We didn't announce that. Yeah, yeah we did. Fucking we here, boys. Yeah, fucking welcome. Fucking here for sure. Yeah. Um, fucking Brando. So, so yeah, I, I'm also going to take the 49ers. I, I said this earlier uh, in the off season, and we, we talked about it on the pod. But yeah, I'm definitely taking the 49ers because I, I just think that that team is, in terms of roster, it, it's the best roster in that division. Uh, I think that it's going to be a beat up division, and I wouldn't be surprised if all four of them wind up with winning records. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, it's going to be the Cardinals are the big surprise this year. You get DeAndre Hopkins down there. I, I'm telling you, Cliff Kingsbury, he's got a hell of an offense. And I think Kyler Murray, he was given the 49ers fits last year. I don't know if anybody watched those Niners Cardinals games. What but shootouts? It, it, they're they're going to score a lot, but I don't think they can stop anybody. They got the steal of the draft, though, yeah, and Isaiah yeah. Simmons. Their defense, can, their defense is definitely a work in progress, and that's their biggest for Arizona, but I expect Kyler to have a monster season. He yep. may, you may be looking at a potential N- a NFL MVP candidate and in Kyler Murray. I think year. you're underestimating the Cardinals defense as well. That's led by Chris Jones, who is an absolute freaking beast. Man. Uh, not I wouldn't Chandler, even agree. Chandler, Ch- Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah, not okay. Chris. Chandler Jones. And he is an absolute menace yeah. for quarterbacks, dude. People underestimate My boy Chandler's him. getting up there. He's unreal. But he's dude, still really Did you effective. see him last year? I can't. I don't have his stats right in front of me, but dude, he's all pro last year. He's an absolute animal. I just don't I, believe it, it in the Cardinals' off, offensive system. Uh, a team that passes that much in the NFL, I so that's a Cliff thing. You you got a coach problem. I got a Cliff Kingsbury uh, issue in that I think he tries to be Belichick and he's not. But even with the the success that Drake had last year in his offense too. You don't believe in that? You don't think that he can mix that in, especially with a mobile quarterback? And we've seen with Lamar, and I know the Wildcat was kind of a splash thing, and it got shut down after Miami ran it for a couple of years, but I still don't think these guys have them these quarterbacks figured out. And the offensive coaches, they're not going to come out and play the same offense as they did last year. Lamar's not coming out and lining up in the same offense like last year, I promise you. So they're going to have to adjust again to these freak athletes that are running around back there, 4-2, 4-3, 40s, and can throw the ball 60 yards down the field. I can name you a long list of coaches that were ridiculously successful in the NCAA and were not successful in the NFL. Oh, I yeah. can name you a much smaller list of coaches that were not successful in the NCAA that were very successful in the NFL. And so, that is my knock on Kingsbury. So my, my issue with the Rams is we're talking quarterback play. I think he's the worst quarterback in the division by a long shot. You're I talking lo- about Jerry Goff. Jared Goff, yeah. Agreed. I think the collection of talent on the Rams, I think the Rams have the best collection of talent without, like, without a doubt. But I hate their quarterback. And yeah. if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance. And I don't believe in Jared Goff. So, I don't so believe I, in him either. I, my suspicion on the Rams is much like Seattle. I think that their defense is kind of lacking in that talent. That's one of the reasons why I'm sticking with the 49ers. I think they have the best defense in the division by far. They also have an offensive identity in what they're going to do. They have a great play caller they're, and some backs. They're able to run the ball so they can control the clock if the other teams are having issues with stopping them on offense. And I mean, which I expect them to do. So that's the thing. The other teams are going to be able to put up some points, but 
when Debo Samuel's healthy and then the, some of the other wide receivers for the for the 49ers get healthy, I think that that's a team that, that's going to be fine. Depth. I expect them to win that division. It's depth, man. It's all about depth, and the Rams don't have depth. Uh, so this is a really hard question for me, to be honest. Um, I'm giving it to the Niners. Uh, <sighs> Because or, or, or you, so you've changed your mind since earlier in the off season. You were you were on uh, the, the the Seahawks and Russell you were. Wilson. Uh, I was on the Seahawks train. They didn't do anything to add to their team to make me think that they can be that team. Okay. Uh, the 49ers uh, with Nick Bosa coming back again, um, who could be just straight up this year the best defensive end of the league. It's possible. Absolutely. Uh, and then all their other pieces on that defense that defense is still going to be formidable uh what can they do on offense i think they've lost more pieces than they've gained there are some guys that are interesting though jarek mckinnon like we were talking about well sure i shouldn't address a interview we haven't even introduced but we're talking about jarek mckinnon uh in a future interview yeah, you might hear it later yeah you might hear it later uh we're going to interview a guy from are you a prophet uh, yeah we're the <laughs> fantasy bros uh fanduel fanduel so FanDuel, uh, who is a believer in Jerick McKinnon, but that they have a stable of running backs. That's interesting. I think they lose more at wide receiver than they gain. So that's going to be an interesting take. So what do you think take. of Jimmy G then? I don't like him. Is that, he better than Jared Goff? Yes. Yes. I agree. Yes. I think he's better than Jared Goff, but I think the better coach is Sean McVay. So it's a really fucking hard choice for me. Um, who's an, got the uh, better offensive line? I think I think the, the Rams 49ers win. The by a long the, shot. Does anybody think the Rams win less than ten games this year? Yes. I think they win ten games. I think no. that's. I think it's a might be that you might have hit the nail on the head with ten games. Yeah, I, I think I ten games right here. For me. Let, let me look. I'm going I under. It. I like ten games for the Rams. So, so here's my thing, or here's a question that I have for you. This is a really interesting division because they have the oldest coach in the NFL in Pete Carroll. And then they have a three young guns, right? McVeigh, uh, Kingsbury, and Shanahan, who are all offensive minds. Like, and Carroll's the old defensive guy. That's kind of an interesting concept. Who's your coach of the future? And and like, if you're taking it, are you is Pete Carroll schooling the, the young kids right now, or or it's is he going period. to school? There's no other right answer. What's that? So it's McVeigh period. There's no other right answer. I agree. Yeah, no, I, not, I, I agree. Not Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan's gone to two Super Bowls in the last McVay. three years. <laughs> you guys are way off base. Kyle Shanahan is the coach of the future. This guy has He's been in coaching since artist. his father was winning back-to-back championships with the Denver Broncos. What do you want to call choke artists or not? That's a Brian Quinn defense that you're looking uh, at too up there. Dan, I mean, uh, Dan, Dan Quinn. Also, I don't, Dan I don't think Dan Quinn was responsible for Matt Ryan taking that sack. One hundred percent. Why are they even throwing the ball? Neither was Shanahan. The play calling at the end of that. Don't call the don't call a pass there. The play calling at the end of that Patriots game was unacceptable. Literally both sides of the ball. Kneel the ball is better than a pass play. Terrible. And guess what? He was a guys. It was a coordinator at the time. How old is Kyle Shanahan right now? Can does anybody know? Why were they throwing it in the second half of that Chiefs? Super Bowl. Look, it made no what sense. I'm, what I'm saying, we can question anything we want about somebody being a coordinator or anything else. Kyle Shanahan has shown to do nothing but have success on offense and win games. Yeah. And then he just took his team to the Super Bowl last year. And, and, the, and two years yeah, and ago. You sound like you're describing Andy Reid in 2002. And, yeah. Who made the Super Bowl just a what? year prior? What do you mean? McVeigh. Yeah. McVay. And, then, and, then, and then who made okay. the Super Bowl the year prior? Or two years Wait, prior. No, like, hold on, hold on. I love all these coaches, stop, stop, stop honestly. Second, I, I, please. I, I'm on the Cliff King. Whose roster is, stays the same? How much change have you seen on the Rams roster in comparison to the 49ers roster? 
a lot more. Major moves. You, a- and you lost, lost Whitworth. And you lost Wade Phillips. You lost Whitworth. Clay you Matthews. Lost Clay Matthews. You lost Wade Phillips. Dude, the whole franchise you see changes amongst the coaching and not only that, but the personnel. The 49ers I, I mean, I, are locked in. I, so, I think a lot of what I think a lot of what San Francisco did it was really well last year was dependent on the running back play. And there were some really creative blocking schemes up front. Some I mean, some just just gorgeous genius blocking schemes. And they added but Trent like Williams. any other gimmick in the NFL, someone's gonna figure it out. Right. I just don't know how much substance there is there. So who do you got, Derek? From a coaching standpoint, it, it's, no, who you who you got in the division? Um, I, I mean, I still think San Francisco this year for sure. Cause I don't like golf at all, but you think in term, who the best coach is, it's McVay period. 100%. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. I think there's some great coaches in this division and uh, I think it's the best division. I think it's got the best coaches. I think it's got the best young talent. The NFC West is here for a while. Yep. I, I, I 100% agree. agree with that. Yep. So, um, uh, we, it is fantasy week. Uh, everybody's drafts are going to be happening this week. And, uh, we have on the pod with us this week. A special guest from FanDuel, Mr. Uh, Josh, who uh, is going to give us some insight, uh, give us some advice for fantasy. Uh, this was pre-recorded, but we're going to play that for you right now. He needs to help Derek because Derek got last in our league. We put yes. you on blast, bro. <laughs> Derek was last, so here we Unicorn. go. Unicorn. Josh. So today we're welcome to the pod, Josh from FanDuel, who's actually a writer. Uh, Josh, would you call yourself an analyst for FanDuel? Writer, analyst, yeah, that works. Awesome. So obviously this is the fantasy season, and everybody's super fucking pumped right now. I know I am. Yes. So this is a very apropos guest. So Josh, we just kind of want to gab some fantasy with you if if you'll indulge us. Yeah, absolutely. What do y'all want to talk about? So, well, first of all, um, with all the changes that have been going on, uh, like what do you think about, you know, just just some moving pieces? Like when when are Fournette? What, what are your what are your what are your thoughts on Leonard Fournette's with with the Bucks and how does that change things in Tampa? It definitely. I was big on Ronald Jones and Kashawn Vaughn at the beginning of the offseason. I yeah, I thought that they were both set up for big years, but after signing Shady and now bringing in Fournette, I think this is a backfield to avoid. To be completely honest, uh, it's really crowded. I mean, th- there's going to be such a run by committee, catch by committee. I mean, it's, yeah, I, I agree with you. Kind of a uh, red flag and, and stay away. Hardcore. Gun, gun to head, Josh. Uh, you have to take one of these players. Who are you, who are you scooping? I think I'm going to go with Ronald Jones, but that's more based on value. I think that you're able to get him later in draft. Uh, I think at the end of the day, him and Fournette are going to have comparable numbers. Sure, sure. But you don't think too many mouths to feed down there in Tampa Bay with all the additions? That that could oh, lead into any running backs uh, fantasy yeah, points. Yeah, no, no, it is. It's a committee to avoid. Some of them are more attractive, but I mean, overall, it's going to be great for the offense. I think, yeah, but it, no, that's a backfield to avoid. Great for Tom Brady, right? But Sounds I would, like I would a say New England PPR, offense. Tom does has never met a running back he doesn't want to throw the football to. That's right. Yeah, unfortunately, Fournette does not possess the ability to catch a ball, so that, <laughs> no. that could many, be interesting. How many, how many catches did Laguerre Blunt yes like have during his? error there um not very many yeah <laughs> yeah that, there are a lot of people who could do it better than well that was Dion lewis when he was with right. garrett i mean for Fournette can catch the ball a little bit so it's not not, not like an issue for him but josh you think they keep all this too many guys there not a lot of teams keep four running backs do you think they keep all these guys like who's the odd man out if they cut somebody honestly there's five if you include ogan bawale 
Right. Um, and so I am inclined to think that Ogunbowale would be the one that gets cut, but he was a special teams captain last year, and that could be something that actually matters to Arians. Um, I don't know. I mean, the season's only a week away. I think it would be Ogie or uh, Shady that wind up getting cut. But as of now, we may just start the season with all five. Do any sure. of you guys know what Shady's cap hit is? I mean, could he just be because of... I, I think he was signed for a mill. Which okay, is, so yeah, yeah, basically cap, the cap the, wouldn't the, figure into that. The, the veteran million, uh, veteran minimum. Um, Fournette was actually... They cut Kyle Love to uh, clear 750000 in the cap. And that puts him like... 3.5. Like thirteen. Thousand dollars, like under the cap, scraping. So yeah, they're He's just scraping along. They're just clearing it. Josh, do you think this Fournette signing is there? Is there too many big heads in this room? Because you know, obviously Ronald Jones, not necessarily a big head or anything like that. But you got Shady McCoy, you got Fournette. If you have all these personalities in this locker room, I mean, does that affect things? Like, what what are your thoughts on that? And then just the kind of the shakeup and the chemistry. Still had Jameis Winston in the locker room. I think it might be a problem, but with someone like Tom Brady and the veteran presence he brings, there's no one in the league that isn't going to respect him. So that alone, and then having also a respected coach like Arian, I don't think there's going to be any problems. But in a locker room like Jacksonville, that would be an issue. Is is Tom a, in inside your QB five? Like, is he a top five fantasy quarterback this year? I don't think he's top five just more because there's so many guys that, you know, between Lamar and Mahomes and Deshaun and just so many guys that are going to put up, but he's right around. He's in that back end range. He's in that top 10, 12. Josh, can you lay out like a general strategy that you have kind of going into drafts or maybe just highlight some guys that you're targeting? So when it comes to quarterbacks specifically, I'm always late round quarterback. I think that they are essentially a dime a dozen and that you can always find someone on the waivers to give you 20 points. On any given week, there's so many defenses with just atrocious secondaries. And it's typically where you can just attack those defenses on any given week. So I prefer to load up on running backs and receivers in those earlier rounds and then worry about quarterback late because there's so many guys that you can get on the back end of draft. Okay, so name a couple guys that you're targeting in the back end of the draft. Some of this year, and I know this is going to be kind of provocative, I think Cam Newton is an incredible value. As long as he's healthy and all reports are that he is, I think he's going to flourish. He wasn't nearly as bad as the perception is in Carolina before he really got banged up. Um, I just I think he's going to really, really put up. I think Garoppolo is also pretty solid. That offensive line is always going to protect him. And then some of that people are sleeping on is Jared Goff. You're going to see some positive regression there um, where a lot of people are now sleeping on him just because of the bad year they had last year. Did you say positive regression? Positive regression, baby. Yeah. Positive regression. Hell yeah. if, you, if you regress to a mean, then it right. sometimes if you were bad, then you regress to the mean. It's positive, right? Sure. I'm getting college class flashbacks. Let's, <laughs> let's knock this off. So, uh, Josh, real quick, where do you put Drew Locke? I, I think he's a pretty interesting uh, quarterback sleeper. Um, is that is that someone that you take? Uh, you take? He's someone that I would look to stream if the, you know my guy gets hurt or is on a bye week or something like that. So he's not a draftable not- quarterback. No, no. Okay. Not, not not in a standard league. Maybe like a two two quarterback league or something, right? A- absolutely. And as more leagues are doing more super flex positions and there are two quarterback eligible, that's when things change. So, you know, always important to know how your league is set up. Okay. Josh, the real question, tight end. What's your strategy at tight end? Because there's, you know, for the most part, there's only a couple guys that are any good. But it's also much deeper than other years. Oh, right. yeah. I think it's it's one of it's the deepest I maybe have ever seen it. 
Yeah, honestly, so there, there's, there's some a really ton good. I love. Let's there's some for really the season value pockets uh, <laughs> from Mox have done for sure. The way it sets yeah, up, no. you, you look at Goddard, Higby. There's some of those guys in the mid rounds that there's some good value on. Absolutely. I typically in years past, I mean, tight end has been absolutely barren. You can't find anyone um, other than those top elite guys. You know, your Kelsey, your Kittle, Bronx, that sort of thing. But um, no, I, I agree. It's a lot, lot deeper this year. Guys like Hayden Hurst, Michael Gesicki for the Dolphins. Sorry, I don't necessarily know how to pronounce his name. Um, yeah, there's a lot. Higby, like you mentioned, Austin Trooper with the Browns now. There's a, there's a lot of good value that you can get, and it's a lot deeper. And me, I think most go ahead. Let me ask you about Austin Hooper. So we got two different two different tight ends that I'm pretty fascinated by. Obviously, Austin Hooper, completely new environment, um, new head coach, new offensive system, um, and then you also have Hayden Hurst who replaces him down in Atlanta. Who do you like more? And do, do either of these guys stand out at you? Absolutely, I like Hurst more because he's just going to get more volume. Uh, He could be that clear third option, whereas in Cleveland there's a lot more mouths to feed. You've got Kareem Hunt, you've got Odell and Landry of course, uh, and just Baker's Morgan spread around. Matt Ryan likes to target his tight ends. Julio gets all the attention there, but I think Hurst is your better pick. They got Njoku too, don't they? Still the Browns? Yeah, they do. So that Was that a first round pick for them? Or was he second? Yeah, yes, he was a first round first pick. First round pick. So, I mean, that, well, I think he, he's even in front of Hooper. He was a first round pick by the Browns, but I don't think that Atlanta gave up a first one, did they? No, no, no. no. no, no, no. Njoku is with the Browns, is what he's saying. Yeah. yeah so, oh, okay, um, okay. Oh, yeah, oh so I got Already you. I in the down, offense, sorry. already got rapport yeah. with Baker. So, the thing, about yeah. Ho- the thing about Hooper there to remember, though, is that he's now the highest paid tight end in NFL history oh via God. the Browns. So, there is that. There is obviously they want to use him. Uh, I just I agree with Josh in terms of I think too many mouths to feed. I'm dropping his value a lot compared to where he was last year. Sounds like the Browns to me. To For sure. I mean, you Hooper got the you, highest paid. Well, with the Browns, you have two pass catching running backs, so there's targets galore there. You have Odell Beckham, who's always going to demand targets. I mean, Odell literally Beckham. demands on the sideline, oh, like give me my fucking touches. Exactly. Hey, he was mm-hmm. good last year. He kept his mouth shut last year, but I don't think you're going to see but, that. But his year. performance wasn't great. So. Sure. Um, but and then you got Jarvis Landry, who's going to catch 100 balls. But here is hurt probably like 150 targets, but has some injury concerns. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So. Josh, everybody always is looking for an edge uh, in their fantasy league, um, and that edge is always sought out. You know, it's obviously the, the the buzzword sleeper. Give us some good sleepers that you like this year uh, that are, in terms of their ADP, are falling pretty far that you think are good value picks that you can pick up in the later rounds. I think that Tyler Boyd is a great value. See, with AJ Green coming back, people are kind of sleeping on him a bit. He's been productive he's going he's up i want to say he's getting drafted in like the eighth round right around there and i definitely like him as a solid pick i like jarek mckinnon who's going even later i think he's gonna wind up emerging as a clear third down pass catching back for them and he was he had some great performances in the vikes with the vikings he unfortunately hasn't been able to play with the niners yet and i just i think he's due for a a very surprising year, and he's someone you can get in those later rounds of draft. And then um, Rykel Armstead, now with the Jags, he could be in a three-down type role after they got rid of Fournette. So you don't like Chris Thompson there? Because I, I, I was talking, I was talking with uh, with Drew earlier, and uh, I think Chris Thompson went from 
possibly undrafted to a middle round guy. I, I think he's a flex starter for you, Chris Thompson, <sighs> yeah. while healthy. Yeah, I, I think both Armstead and Thompson are both solid values. The only thing with Thompson is that he's never been able to hold up a full workload because he's kind of smaller compared to other bats. And so it's just if you try to give him 15-plus touches over the course of the season, he's probably going to get hurt. But you're confident and, in McKinnon there to be able to handle a load, or even if it's pass catching, to, to play out a season? I think it's been two full years, right, that he hasn't been able to play since signing with the Niners? Correct. Absolutely. absolutely. I like McKinnon more. He's in a much better situation in that offense. And, and behind Coleman and Mozart still there, right? Yeah. Right. And that's where I don't. I think Mozart is overvalued. Whereas he, you know, he had that huge postseason and everything. I think Kevin and McKinnon are both better values there just because they're going to be incredibly efficient. They're going to be incredibly effective. It's going to be lower volume, but they're going to be able to do more with it, both yeah. because of the situation and because of their talent. I think what you have to understand is that some guys just step up sometimes in the postseason. And even the 49ers, like, they're hesitant to declare most their starter, right? So it's, you know... I think you have to understand that people just have hot runs sometimes. And Mostert may be one of those guys that he just, dude, he got so fucking hot in the playoffs. And to overvalue him and to say that he's a better guy than his pedigree could be a mistake this year. Would you agree with that, Josh? 110%. People have that recency bias. They remember what you did for me lately, and he crushed it in the postseason. And like you're saying, even the 49ers are smart enough to realize to not overreact to that. They had a little contract dispute earlier this offseason where it looked like he might have been traded at one point. But no, I, him and Tevin are going to split carries. And I just, in general, your better value is going to be the second guy, whoever's going later in the ADP. You know, who um, he, you know who he reminds me of is, remember when Joe Flacco had that electric year when Baltimore won the Super Bowl and he was playing like a top-tier elite quarterback and then everybody overvalued him in the, in the following drafts and you get burned. You got it. You got to look at somebody's career and their production. You know what I'm saying? So here, Absolutely. here's here's my pushback a little bit on on Mostert for there. Just when you're talking about the huge overvaluing, he's going. I think in the sixth or seventh round. I don't think that that's too high for a guy who's playing for, you know, maybe the best running back situation in the league. He's in a contract. If he does too, sure. And if he does, and if he does wind up being the bulk of the starter, and here's the thing: even with Tevin Coleman there, and Tevin Coleman, maybe they split. You know. Every two series, Tevin Coleman gets a series. So, you know, two and one. Um, I think Mostert is still the guy that's going to get more of the red zone touches because he was better in the red zone if you look at the last couple years of production. Yeah, but you're willing to die on that hill? No. What I actually did is I took both, and I'm like, give me the whole backfield. Uh, See, I think (laughs) that's a terrible strategy. Real quick, Josh. So we've talked sleepers. I want to talk busts. And, you know, your, your topic of recency bias on running backs um, what are your thoughts on Derrick Henry? I mean, you almost get a first-round running back that turns into a bust every year. You know, you got you got Mixon, you got Todd Gurley, you got David Johnson. Do you think Derrick Henry could fall into that recency bias, first-round bust candidate? I'm real, real quick pushback to what Newman said. Most of Kieran ADP is in the bottom of the fourth round, whereas you can get Tevin in the eighth. Agreed. Okay, so I got him in the sixth or the seventh then, but okay. Um, but either way, back to Henry. No, I'm just saying, like, in terms of value. With Henry, uh, my concern there is that he's racked up so many touches over the past few years, and now that the Titans are committed to him long-term, it's possible that they actually may scale it back a tad and try to have a little bit more balanced offense. They drafted Darrington Evans to replace that James White, or Deion Lewis role, excuse me. Isn't he hurt, though? 
he's hurt, but it's not supposed to be a long-term thing. It's just more that Henry doesn't offer anything as a pass catcher. Whereas the other guys that are being drafted at the beginning of the draft, your McCaffrey's and Ezekiel Elliott and Dalvin Cook, Tamara, um, they all contribute in the passing game. And that just comes with an inherent upside and also provides kind of a safer floor. Whereas Henry is more, he's going to give you those 30-point weekly winning performances. He just doesn't have that same guaranteed upside. And you're, hoping for, for, uh, me. and you're hoping for Tannehill to repeat a year like you had last year. I think the most efficient quarterback in the entire league last year as far as QBR goes. But I uh, wanted to transition to in fantasy. Who is your rookie breakout? There's always seems to be at least one or two rookies that go above and beyond what they were supposed to do, and they end up being top 10 fantasy performers. Who's the rookies that you're targeting in the draft? Absolutely. There's actually a handful. And just to finish up on the bus, I think Melvin Gordon's being way overdrafted. And that's a situation where Philip Lindsay is the just better value. They're probably going to have close to similar touches, even if it's a 60-40 situation, but you can get Lindsay later in draft. Um, as far as the rookies go, I, I honestly, I love J.K. Dobbins. I think he, him over Mark Ingram is a great selection. I love Zach Moss over Devin Singletary. Singletary's had a brutal training camp over the past week or so a lot of fumbles um, right yeah a lot of fumbles don't Moss tell me that been, I, I have singletary so <laughs> yeah it, it's gotten it's gotten bleak for him um so no i do i like dobbins and moss a lot i like deandre swift over carry johnson i like jonathan taylor over marlon Mack. although i do think taylor's kind of gotten overvalued a little bit um but one guy that i don't think is getting nearly enough attention is antonio gibson for the washington football team my boy and He's expected to contribute in all over the field. And after they lost Geis for the off-field conduct, um, the, I mean, Adrian Thompson's Peterson, gone too. Right, absolutely. Adrian Peterson's like 40 years old. And AP's still going to do what he does. But I, I think Gibson, he's someone you can get really late, and he's someone that is going to be have a lot of touches that are manufactured for him. The coaches keep talking about how they really want to get him involved. So, so Josh, and, you didn't mention a single one of those rookie running backs who are starters. You didn't mention Cam Akers, who is probably going to break camp as the starter. What are your thoughts on him? Overvalued. Overvalued, I, okay. Yeah, I just, there's other guys. Again, I think someone like a, um, a J.K. Dobbins that you can get later there is just a much better pick. Zach Moss. On a value standpoint, you're saying? Value, yes, 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 absolutely. Okay. Purely on value. So, so I think Akers, so yeah, to be clear, I think Akers will finish with more points, but I think he's being drafted too high, and that someone like Daryl Henderson is going to still remain involved and take touches from him. It's rare to see a rookie immediately step in and be a three-down workhorse back like that, whereas with some of these other guys, if you remember like with Miles Sanders last year, you draft them, you keep them on your bench until the bye weeks and the fantasy playoffs roll around. When they finally emerge and they get comfortable with the NFL, their coaches become more confident in them. I mean, Miles Sanders is someone last year, if you held on to him, he was a championship-winning guy for the rest of the season. Yeah, so the, my thing about Akers, though, is doesn't he have all the skills to be that three-down back? And who else is going to take the carries away from him? Because uh, Darrell, over, uh, Darrell uh, Henderson's hurt. And so. keep in mind, Josh, while you're answering this question, that you are battling against the homer. Well, Josh went to Florida <laughs> State, too, just for the record. Yep. There is no I bigger did. homer than fucking <laughs> Newman. He, yeah, is, he is fucking Josh, the homer. Josh sounds more objective. <laughs> going with Josh's take. Well, compared to Newman, who's not more yeah. objective? <laughs> I, I, I I'm just questioning it. <laughs> I, I think that Akers will emerge 
as the lead back eventually. But Sean McVay has said over and over and over again that they're going to be a split backfield, that all the guys are going to be involved. Again, coach speak, take it with a grain of salt. But I, I, again, I just think there's other guys that you can get at a better value. But I mean, Sean McVay's history of being a coach in the NFL, even at the coordinator level, for the most part, he's not a split backfield guy. His, his tendency is always to favor one back, ride that back, and then that's kind of the way it plays out. Fuck me for bringing up Cam Akers. I should have yeah, known God, better. God, that's on me, guys. <laughs> well, well, we're talking me. about running backs, but what about some of these wide receivers that went in the very first round? A lot of high picks here. C.D. Lamb, right? Henry Ruggs. Any of the wide receivers that stand out to get the most volume? I think Lamb and Ruggs both. And it's funny you mentioned both of them. I think they do. They kind of, their ADPs are both in those second, in those double digit rounds. And I think they can absolutely, they can emerge as kind of these guys. Gallup is going really low, and the Cowboys do like to throw it. They gave Dak the money. They're done. They, um, yeah, I, I definitely like Gallup a lot, to be honest. How about Justin Jefferson with the Vikings? Jefferson initially was supposed to be that wide receiver two opposite Thielen, but it looks like he hasn't really been able to beat out BC Johnson. So there's some concern because BC isn't some amazing talent or anything. Um, and also the Vikings love to pound the rock. So he's someone, if you want to spend your last pick on before you're drafting your defense, it, it, you can't, it, there's upside there. It's just with these guys, I think you got to be patient. If so, you're expecting them to be contributors right away, it's probably not going to happen. So are, are, are we are we even talking about rookies being impactful this year? Like, I think I'm staying away from rookies because there's no training camp. Like, I, I don't think rookies really provide any value until maybe mid-season. So, like, I'm almost going with the old man veterans, which I would typically not do, right? But it, I'm almost reversing my strategy on rookies this year, Josh. Am I making a good decision with going over the veterans over the sexy rookies? There's a lot of validity in the fact that the rookies missed out on a, a ton of on-field time, a ton of chemistry that they weren't able to build. All those reps just they couldn't because of the virus and everything. And I definitely understand where you're coming from, but I still think that, again, if you're able to hold on to these guys until midseason, they emerge as weekly winners. Yeah, because, and if you can... No, go, no, go on, Josh. If you're able to get someone in the you know sixth seventh eighth round that is putting up 20 plus points for you to secure a buy and then win in the playoffs that's well 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 worth it yeah so like for me like you brought up Dobbins I think I'm taking mm -hmm. Ingram over him you're talking Jonathan Taylor I think I'm taking Marlon Mack over him I'm thinking I'm taking the veterans ahead of them because I feel like the rookies are being overvalued and I feel like the veterans are being undervalued but you can take the rookies as the handcuffs. So like Mark yeah. Ingram, where his value is, I was targeting J.K. Dobbins, and then he got snatched right before I was picking, unfortunately. <laughs> I think the handcuff option's there, and you can do the same thing even with the rookie wide receivers because they will get into that playbook and understanding what the offensive coordinator and the quarterback timing is. That's somebody like T. Higgins as well, where you do have A.J. Green coming back in Cincy, but T. Higgins is a beast. I mean, I don't know if y'all saw him at Clemson, but – I think that's somebody who can step in when A.J. Green, if he gets hurt, or one of the other guys that may go down because you got John Ross who's hurt as well, and I think he could slide in. But those are guys, like you said, good value, and I think you can hold them until midway through the season, and they can end up being a breakout player. I think we always see it every year. Yeah, I agree with all that sentiment. The issue with Higgins is that he missed some time, and Auden Tate kind of stole, or just emerged as that third receiver after Green or with Green and Boyd. 
so it, that just to your, that's the whole thing where they missed out on the on-field reps this off season and someone like him is going to suffer from it. But I think you got to look at it as when you're building the draft, like with Ingram, you could have Ingram and then get someone like a Stefan Diggs right around where Dobbins is going, or you could have a Juju Smith-Schuster who's being drafted where Ingram is going and then pair that with a Devontae Parker, a Marquise Brown later on that same spot where Dobbins is. So I think you got to look at it like that is who are you missing out on by selecting that veteran two round five, three round five. Sure. Well, Josh, uh, another probably last question. Uh, obviously you work for a website application that specializes in DFS daily fantasy. So uh, obviously you've had to become a expert in this. Uh, this is foreign to a lot of people that haven't done it. Uh, for people that haven't, you should certainly consider FanDuel. Uh, give us some DFS strategies, uh, things that some rookie DFS uh, owners can employ just right out the gates. It's all about matchups. It's always, always about matchups. You got to see who's facing the worst defenses that week and then kind of build out from there. If there's a defense that has just clearly known as the worst in the league or if you have two, a matchup of two terrible defenses, good, uh, even the worst offenses are going to be able to put up points. So it's just all about attacking those terrible matchups. Uh, so yeah, I, I know Drew said one last question. Uh, don't hate me, Josh. I'm a DraftKings guy. Why should I go to FanDuel? FanDuel is a lot more comprehensive. It's a, we offer a lot more options for the fans, and the customer service is just second to none when it comes to our response and helping people out and everything you could possibly need. No shame to DraftKings, but FanDuel is just a superior product. And their analysts just have huge fucking hogs, right, Josh? <laughs> <laughs> well, Josh, dude, thank you so much for joining us, buddy. Uh, good luck this season. Um, I'm certainly going to look you up. I'm going to be reading your advice. And I'm also going to hold you fucking accountable. Uh, Newman gave me your address, so uh, I know how to write letters in my own blood when you're wrong. <laughs> hey, thanks so much, Josh. Appreciate it, man. Josh, before we let you out of here, anything you want to plug? Uh, numberfire.com. That's uh, the, our analytics department at FanDuel. That's the website. We've got jam-packed with all types of data and projections and everything you could possibly need to win your season-long leagues and daily fantasy matchups. Number five? It, number, no, number fire. fire. Number fire. Number fire. Yep. Okay. And then don't you have a, a t-shirt business, Josh? Yeah, the Clothes Bros. So local here in Tampa, we do shirts and stickers and signs and all types of printing and press materials. So if anyone needs any things for events or sports or anything else, we can help you out. That's the clothes bros on Instagram. We'll be hitting you up Josh, I can think of a website slash uh, sports page that would love to employ your services. So <laughs> you got a client. You got my number. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Josh. Uh, have a great night. And thanks for joining us on the sports memory podcast, man. Thanks, Josh. Thanks guys. Good luck with everything. Have a good one. Thank you. So that was Josh from FanDuel. Josh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, if you guys want to check out his stuff, obviously FanDuel is one of the primary sources for daily fantasy sports. Um, I'm sure he's got some good advice, and that was some great advice that we just heard. But uh, this is the end for today on the Sports Memory Podcast. Dude, guys, so happy to be here. Yeah, happy to have you in, in live, baby. In Brandon's studio. first live cast. Uh, Brandon normally joins us from Indianapolis, and uh, 
Fucking A. Draft Isn't, weekend, what boys. Is draft in Florida. Weekend. You know? COVID Central. Let's fly in and have a party. Yeah, yeah. I never said I was a good... Uh, I never said I had made good judgment, made good choices in life. Oh, That's oh right. we know you haven't. We've seen your gambling record. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but uh, if if you listen to this podcast this long, uh, please like and follow us. Um, Share we, it with a buddy, too. We are going to get a lot more uh, Vegas this year. Uh, a lot of our focus is going to be Vegas picks. Uh, we're going to post our records on that. And we're actually going to put some skin to the game. So if you're betting with us, we're betting with you. Uh, so please follow us and uh, appreciate you guys listening. Have a good night. Peace.